Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Well, good morning, church family. It is great to be here with you, and this is always the highlight of my week, getting to come together and to worship the Lord together. So uh, very thankful to be with you all this morning. And once again, certainly happy Mother's Day to all of our mamas out there. We just cannot express uh, how thankful we are for you and all of the spiritual moms in our life. Thank you for the roles that you play uh, to us. And, and I love this time of year. I love graduation. You know, I worked in youth ministry for a lot of years, and, and there's something so special about uh, working with, with, with people in that stage of life. I always love getting to talk to high schoolers as they're getting ready to go to college, and you try to prepare them for what they're about to experience. You know, all of the really great things that college brings, all the new things that you learn, the new people that you meet, and also just to kind of give them a heads up, you know, there's some tough parts of college. There's some things that are going to challenge you where you stand with the Lord. There's some things that are going to challenge you with what you believe in this world, and you're going to meet some people that are very different than anyone you've ever met before, and it's going to be a whole new experience for you. And I love to talk to college students, and when they come back, and just to say, man, what have you learned so far? What has challenged you? What have you been exposed to that you didn't even know existed in this world? Because college has a way of doing that to us. And so one thing that we learn when you go off to work or you go off to college, you learn quickly that our world is full of opinions about what you should believe and how you should live, right? There's no shortage of different ideas and philosophies about how we should live within this world. You know, and and some of these things are really hard questions that we face that we can find a lot of different answers to. Like, what is true? What is truth? What is real? What's right and what's wrong? What is, it, what is a person? What does it mean to be a man or a woman? Or who is God and does he even exist? You know, those are questions that maybe growing up here in Graham County, we don't wrestle with a lot, but then we go out and we, we meet different people in the world and all of a sudden, these things we were so confident of can really quickly be shaken to the core. And we kind of find ourselves really struggling to know, like, what is real? And maybe this little picture kind of describes how we feel sometimes in life, right? Because sometimes when these people that we hear so many different ideas from, these are people that we care about, we respect, we think highly of, we, we understand these are smart, intelligent people, and they come to extremely different decisions about what is real and how I should live. And so we find ourselves kind of being torn in different ways, and, and we try to figure out, how do we move on from this? And so sometimes we just completely will abandon one way of thinking and just embrace something totally new. But more often than not, what happens is we try to figure out, how do I just put everything I like together? How do I take what I like from this and what I like from that and what I like from this, and I just kind of make my own thing that just, that, that just makes me happy and just, and just kind of is, is good with, with how I want to live. And so we feel this constant wrestling and this constant tension. And, and this isn't something that just happens when we're young. It happens the more you are exposed to TV or movies or social media. We find ourselves being pulled in so many different directions. But what's encouraging to us is this is not a new phenomenon. This isn't just something that just happened recently. This is something that's happened since humanity began. And so the Bible speaks to this problem. God wants us to be equipped and prepared for how do we handle this tug and this pull that we feel every day of life. And so today, if you have a Bible, I invite you to open up to Proverbs chapter 8. 
And there's Bibles in the pews if you want one. I'm not going to put all the verses up on the screen today. Now, it's going to take us a minute to get into Proverbs chapter 8. But Proverbs chapter 8 is going to try to help us answer this question. How do we deal with the tug of the world's ideas? In a way that doesn't put down the world, but in a way that does allow us to maintain a vision of life that is true and right according to God's standards. If we want to live with God's wisdom, how do we resist the tug that we're going to feel every day of our life? And so Proverbs 8 is going to speak to that for us. Let me start out by praying for us, and then we'll begin. Father, I thank you so much for all that we get to celebrate in this day. I thank you for the many changes that are happening in people's lives. I think of the many who became mothers this year and the the joys of, of all that they're experiencing right now. We thank you for that. We thank you for the graduates who are facing new stages in life and the changes that that brings. And, and Father, we know with every change in life, we're presented with challenges. And Father, these are not small challenges. These are challenges that will change the course of our lives. So, Father, I pray today as we open up your word that we would allow your word to penetrate our hearts and we would, we would listen to the God who created the universe, that we would allow your wisdom to be what guides us every step of our day. So, Father, please speak to us this morning. Please make these scriptures understandable and real in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. So we've been in Proverbs for a little while, and um, you know I don't know what you think about Proverbs, but when you think of Proverbs, typically most of us think of kind of those little short one or two line things, right? Those little short sentences that just kind of capture this great idea about how to live life. And they're just kind of arranged all randomly, and just, you know, it's just like a smorgasbord of driving down the road with your mom, and she's just telling you all kinds of great ideas about how to live life. And that's the majority of what Proverbs is, but the first nine chapters of Proverbs are really different. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are not these little short one-liners. Instead, they're these really long speeches. And they're kind of laying a foundation for how we're supposed to understand what is to come. But this, this part of Proverbs is different and unique. And so in these first chapters that we've studied, we see this main character is this wise father. This father who's gone through a lot of life, and he's, he's, he's talking to his son, and he wants his son to understand how to live wisely. He's pleading with his son to fight this battle right here of being tugged all over the place. And so this dad does something really creative. He takes this idea of wisdom and he personifies it. You see what that means? So he takes this idea of wisdom and he says, if I could take all of God's wisdom and put it into a person, this is what that individual would look like. And on the flip side, if I could take all the wisdom of the world and put it into a person, this is what that person would look like. And so we have these two figures throughout Proverbs, and and we could maybe call them this, Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom. All right, so, so it's interesting that this dad, speaking to his son, chooses to portray these two characters as these female figures, okay? This is what Lady Folly looks like. The wisdom of the world, this is what she looks like if we put her into person. And this is what lady wisdom looks like. If we embody all of God's wisdom into this lady, this is what she would be like. And so the dad is pleading with his son, son, choose the right woman. Right? Those of you who have kids who are nearing the dating age or the marrying age, this is a conversation you are real serious about. Son, the decision of which woman you choose will change the course of your life. 
And so this dad here is not talking about an actual woman this boy's going to marry, but he's saying, son, you are going to enter into a relationship with one of these two women. You are either going to embrace lady folly with your life or you're going to embrace lady wisdom and it's going to radically change your whole experience of life. And so I want us to see how these two ladies have been portrayed so far through Proverbs and we kind of see some of their attributes being laid out. So Lady Folly, Proverbs 2, we see, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. For the lips of the immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's as bitter as wormwood and sharp as a two-edged sword. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious, and her feet would not stay at home. At times, she was outside at, open, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. Now, we have looked in depth at all of these stories, and we have considered what is wise from every single part of these stories. But I'm asking you now to kind of just step back. Step back from being in that story and just step back and say, what is, what is this woman personifying? What is the worldview that this woman is showing? If I took all of her attributes and put it together, how is Proverbs portraying this lady that we call folly? Well, we see some things about her. We see, first of all, that she is really beautiful. She's attractive. She is something we look at and we desire. There's a beauty to the wisdom of the world. Now, if we think about that, that makes sense. You know, the wisdom of the world says, do whatever makes you feel good and whatever will make you happy. That is an attractive message that I like, right? All of us like that message because we get to do whatever we want to do. That is an attractive, beautiful thing that pulls us in, just like this lady called Folly. The other part of the wisdom of the world says, you get to define truth for yourself. Whatever you want to believe, that's great, If you don't like that, don't believe it. You find truth for yourself. You just get to determine what is real for you. It doesn't matter what's real for anybody else. What is real for you? Well, that's an attractive message because there's parts of the Christian faith maybe that you struggle with or you would prefer just, let's just change that part. Well, the wisdom of the world says just do it. And so we are pulled by this beautiful, attractive thing called lady folly. And yet there's this other aspect when we think of lady folly As beautiful as she is, the outcome is not pleasant. Throughout all of these chapters, we see the outcome described um, as this path that leads to death and destruction. This path that cuts and divides and brings division. And she's always portrayed as this crafty figure. She's kind of lurking in the darkness. She's always got her eyes open for who is the weak one that I can attack. You see, Lady Folly is very attractive and appealing, but the outward beauty is masking an inward foulness. And this father wants his son to see through what is external and to see the reality of this lady. Now, in contrast, we see Lady Wisdom described in these ways. Wisdom calls out aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gate in the city, she speaks her words. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. 
She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that you may desire cannot compare with her. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Now, when we look at this lady, we see a very different figure. And Proverbs 8 is going to speak a whole lot more about her in a minute. But here we see this figure who's never described outwardly. We don't see anything about her outward beauty or her outward attraction. Instead, all of her characteristics and attributes are this internal thing. These internally good, beautiful characteristics that flesh themselves out in a way that leads to honor and glory and flourishing. When we find her speaking, she's not hiding and lurking in darkness. She is standing out in bold daylight, proclaiming the truth that she has to share. These are two very different figures. And so the father is pleading with the son, son, don't let your eyes deceive you. You know, because when we think about the message of God's wisdom, it's not real beautiful on the outside. You see, God's wisdom says the message is to die to yourself and sacrifice yourself for the good of another. You know, that's not really an outwardly attractive message, but there is an inner beauty to that that we can't deny. There's something about somebody that lives life in that way that does draw us to them, even though we're, we would stand back and say, that's really great, but I don't know if I could do that. Or we think of choosing to mother well, the choice every day to sacrifice for your kids and your family, to do the things that nobody recognizes, to do the things that are vitally important but never are appreciated, that is not an outward message of beauty. That's an outward message of sacrifice and difficulty and laying down your dreams and desires. But inwardly, when we look at a mother who's doing that, that is something that the whole, all of us look to and say, that is a beautiful thing. That is a woman who is blessing that family in a way that those kids have no idea of. That is a woman who's going to change generations by the decisions she is making. That is a beautiful life. Outwardly, it's not quite as appealing, though. And so here we're left with this tug. Do I do what looks good outwardly, or am I willing to, to sacrifice the external beauty to focus on what is real and what really is going to nurture the soul? So all this brings us to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs 8 is this long speech by Lady Wisdom. And Lady Wisdom is laying out kind of her attribute. She's saying, this is who I am. And she's telling us who she is because she desperately wants us to choose her. So here we are. We're going to start out in Proverbs chapter 8. And again, look at, look, follow along with me or you can listen along. The first five verses, we see this truth that wisdom is accessible does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entrance of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. You, O simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools be of an understanding heart. So we see here, lady wisdom is accessible and she wants to be heard. You see the places that she chooses to appear. She, she chooses to stand right by the crossroads, 
that lead into the city. Now, we think about that. What that's picturing is you've got people coming from here. You've got people coming from here. You've got people coming from here. And Lady Wisdom is standing right there because she wants to catch people from every walk of life. She wants to catch people from every background, every education, every economic standing, every nation. She wants to make herself accessible to all people. And so we also see that she wants to be seen in the everyday common areas of life. So we find Lady Wisdom, she's not only at the crossroads, she finds herself at the gate of the city. Well, as you think about the way cities were laid out, the gate was the place where everybody came and went, right? That was the way that you got in, the way you got out. And so right inside that gate was the big marketplace where you would go, you'd do all your shopping. The, the gate of the city was the place you would meet people to have important conversations about how are we going to lead this city? What changes do we need to make? What military decisions are we going to take? So the gate of the city was the, the happening place. So right there is where Lady Wisdom decides to park herself to share her message because she's saying my wisdom has something to say about every area of life. To the most mundane things, to the most major decision, Lady Wisdom says, listen to me, I have something to say about that part of your life. So Lady Wisdom is accessible to all of us. Starting verse 6 through verse 9, we see wisdom is true and right. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things, for my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. So we see wisdom. She speaks what is true and right. And so as God's wisdom is being personified, she says, everything I say is excellent, is right, is true, is righteous, and is plain to be understood. You see, Lady Folly kind of hid back in the corner, and she would say things that were actually pretty deceptive. She would say things that would lead us astray and lead us down paths that were not good, but yet Lady Wisdom says, every word of my mouth is straight and true. There is no crookedness or perversity in anything that I will say or lead you in. Now, this is a very basic idea, but we really need to remind ourselves often that what wisdom offers is good and excellent. Because there are times when God's wisdom does not feel good and excellent. It feels very difficult and it feels very restrictive. Right? Growing up, I had this idea that God's wisdom says, I can't do anything that I want to do. Everything that's fun and enjoyable and exciting, God says, no. God says, I can only do boring, good stuff. Right? That's our, most of us have some idea like that when it comes to our understanding of God's wisdom. And yet God's wisdom is good and pure. It's excellent for us. It's not restrictive. It is what's ultimately most freeing. Now, the world loves to attack this idea of God's wisdom because Lady Folly wants all of her followers to believe and do whatever they want. And yet here we find that God doesn't accept that way of thinking. You, Lady Folly wants all of her followers to believe they are in charge and you are the absolute truth of your life. Don't listen to anybody else. You are your own authority. And yet wisdom says that is the life of a fool, and that is not going to end well for you. Instead, I will say to you what may feel restrictive, but is actually good and freeing. 
So when we think of the very source of these two different ladies, Lady Folly has her source in the self-centeredness of mankind. Our own pride and our own ego and our own selfish desires is what fuels every part of Lady Folly's worldview. Yet Lady Wisdom has a very different source. The source of Lady Wisdom is the God who created all things good and who loves his his creation fiercely and who wants what is best for you. And so when we come to this idea of being tugged by different worldviews and we try to figure out how do I blend some of what I like with Christianity with some of what I like from the world, we see that cannot happen. These two wisdoms are foundationally different. They cannot be united in any way. Because what is true and right cannot unite with what is crooked and perverse. And so wisdom is true and good and excellent and right. These are not two equally valid ideas. They are foundationally different. One from the good creator and one from my own self-centeredness. Lady Wisdom goes on and shows us that wisdom is of great value in verses 10 and 11. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. When you talk about silver and gold and rubies, those are very valuable things, and I wouldn't mind having some, right? All of us would agree that would be okay if somebody was to just dump some of that in our lives. That would be very exciting, We'd figure out how to sell that and turn it into something great. These are very valuable items. And yet, when God's wisdom is personified, what that lady says is all of that stuff that is of value is nothing compared to me. I am far more precious than anything of value from earthly standard. Now, why is that? You know, the reality is none of us are probably ever going to have as much money as we wish we had. No matter how much we have, we always are going to wish we just a little bit more would be better. And yet the wisdom of God teaches us to be to how, how we can grow and flourish regardless of how much or how little we have. But without God's wisdom, the amount that we have is never going to satisfy us. We're never going to be content. And so we're always searching and looking for more. And yet God's wisdom is of far more value than even these precious things because God's wisdom teaches us how to flourish and find contentment and gratitude in every stage of life. The wisdom of the world cannot do that. The wisdom of the world cannot teach us contentment and satisfaction. It only teaches us to hunger and desire for more. But we see here, it's not just rubies and gold and silver that she's more valuable than. Verse 11 says, she is more valuable than anything that you may desire. Now, that can be a very broad category. If we were to ask everybody in this room, all of us in this room probably have different desires. And maybe at different times in our life, we've had different desires. And if we're honest, there's times in our lives where we were willing to kind of push back a little bit from lady wisdom in order to pursue that desire that we really wanted. I remember Mother's Day and Father's Day being a really hard day for Jess and I because for about five years, we struggled with infertility, and doctors said we would never have children. And every day, I dreaded Mother's Day and Father's Day because it hurt. And it grew to be this thing in my life where I desired so much to be a father that, that my view of God was becoming something very ugly. 
My view of God was becoming something that I, I was pushing back from because He was not giving me the desire of my heart. And it was, a, it was a transformational moment in my life when I finally, after a long time, said, God, I'm giving you this desire, and if you never give me this dream, you are enough. And that took me a long time to get to. But all of us have these desires in our life that seem so strong and we want so badly and we're willing to sacrifice to get. And yet Lady Wisdom is saying, don't sacrifice because no matter what you want, it is never going to fulfill you in the way that you think it will. It is always going to leave you lacking and still desiring more. And yet Lady Wisdom says, I can offer you something that will meet your deepest needs, will help you find ultimate satisfaction because you will find your satisfaction in God himself. So wisdom is of great value and worth pursuing. She goes on to say, wisdom is pure, verses 12 and 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Now, these are very strong verses. These verses speak very clearly about the character of God, and they use words that we are very uncomfortable with. Because this text is very clear how God feels about the things that he calls evil. He hates it. Now, here's where this tug really starts, because what God often calls evil, the world often calls progress. The things that God says, I hate, I cannot endure, the world says we are finally getting to where we need to be. We as humanity are finally evolving to this good place. Now, Lady Wisdom teaches us how to rightly view God. She teaches us that God is the right authority of the universe, that as creator, he has the right to determine what is good and evil what is pure and, is what is, and what is unrighteous. He has the freedom to determine that. And God has spoken very clearly in his word as to what is pure and what is evil in his sight. So to fear the Lord is to not to stand in this dreadful terror of him, but it's to honor him for the all-powerful creator that he is. It's to stand and say, you know what, Lord, there are things I don't understand about your character, but you are the God and you are in charge. And if this is what you say, I will bow myself to you because you are the authority, I am not. That's what Lady Wisdom is trying to teach us. But this is not teaching us to look down on those who don't understand this principle. It's not teaching us to hate those who practice evil. It's not teaching us to, to hate the world and to speak just terribly about everything and to talk about all the problems of the world all the time and just to complain about this generation. It's not telling us to do that. Instead, it's, it's, it's urging us to look at those who are trapped by Lady Folly and look to them with, with compassion and to look at them with this desire to help them break free and to experience all that Lady Wisdom can offer to them. This takes a lot of discernment. It takes a lot of grace and patience. But we can't fudge in this area. We can't create this idea that I can do whatever I want and God will just be fine with that. 
God is clear that he hates the things that he calls evil. Ultimately, he hates them because they destroy his, his, the, 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 the demonstration of his character and they destroy his people who practice them. We see also in verses 14 through 16 that wisdom is useful. Counsel is mine, says Lady Wisdom, and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles and all the judges of the earth. Now, we see this really neat principle here that when godly wisdom is followed and applied, it is good for the whole of society. You see, this isn't saying that every king who rules, every prince who rules is automatically living by godly wisdom because we know that is not true. But what it's saying is if those in leadership choose to live by godly wisdom, not only will it be good for their own souls, it'll be, it'll be flourishing in goodness for the entire community that they oversee. God is passionate about us understanding wisdom because it has, it has consequences on our culture and our nation, on our families and our workplaces. And now while this is primarily talking about kings and princes, and none of us in this room would qualify... This has a lot broader application for us. Because all the way back in Genesis 1, God says this. God blessed them, this man and woman he created, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, that may seem like a strange connection there, but I want you to see this idea. What God says is part of of what it means to be his image bearer, is to live in such a way that we bring, that we subdue and we bring dominion to whatever areas of life we are over. Now, this doesn't mean we are harsh and we rule those things with just a hard-handed fist. It means instead that we are cultivating environments and cultures of goodness and flourishing. And so the same way where Lady Wisdom says, all of those who live by my principles, everywhere that they touch will be benefited, God is saying that's what it means to be made in my image. It's to live in such a way that everything that you are a part of can benefit. We think of those of you who graduated, you're going to go be teachers. Your entire classroom is benefits when you choose to live with Lady Wisdom. We think of you who are going to go be nurses, and you're going to meet people in their darkest, hardest days of life, when they are under, under extreme amounts of stress. You can choose to live by Lady Wisdom in that moment and bring goodness and peace to that chaotic situation. We think of mothers who who are being pulled by this idea of, should I really raise my kids as the Bible says, or should I really just do this thing to just kind of make them happy and give them whatever they want? When we choose to live with godly wisdom and do what is hard in the immediate, it brings flourishing and goodness to everything we are a part of. But when we choose to ignore that and we choose to allow lady folly to be what guides our life, we are bringing destruction to our homes, to our places of work, to our friends, to this county, and to this world. These are big decisions that have big ramifications. Finally, verses 17 through 21, we see lady wisdom saying, my wisdom is a choice. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. 
Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, and that I may fill their treasuries. Do you see what Lady Wisdom is guaranteeing? She's guaranteeing that all who seek me diligently will find me. Now, I love that principle, but sometimes that leaves us with this little fuzzy idea of like, what does that mean? How do I seek diligently for lady wisdom? Is she, like, where is she? How do I figure that out? And this week, I have loved thinking about this idea. Why did God choose to include wisdom in this personified way in the Bible? Why did God choose to put all of his wisdom into this, this figure called lady wisdom? Why did he do that? I think it's really fun as we think about Mother's Day and how this fits together. You know, moms in this room understand that there is a moment in your life where you become a mother, right? There's this moment where you're not a mom, and then all of a sudden you are a mom. Now, I've never met anybody who's like, that moment I became a mom, I was I knew it. I was wise beyond my years in motherhood. I was confident. I was prepared and equipped. And nothing stopping me. No. The reality is we all have that moment. We're driving out of the hospital completely terrified, right? Wondering, why would they let me leave with this baby human? But that doesn't change the fact that in this moment, you are a mother. But that doesn't mean all of a sudden you are a wise mother, We are a young mother who has a lot to learn. And so what does a mother do? She studies that child. Every day she learns about that child. She thinks about that child. She thinks, how do I help this child grow and develop? What does this child need? You see, mothering is a lifetime of growing in wisdom. And what's so frustrating about mothering and fathering is as soon as you get confident in a situation in life, The stinking kids, they grow and they change. All of a sudden, what you are confident in is now this new game that has whole new rules that you don't understand at all. And you have to learn wisdom again. And so you learn wisdom in this new stage of life, and you release your kids in new ways, but then you get pregnant again, and you're like, thank you, Lord, I have this pile of wisdom, and I am prepared And then this other human is here, and it is totally different than the first one. All of your wisdom is now completely irrelevant to this child. And what do you do now? The wise mother continues to pursue wisdom. Well, what does it mean to be wise to this child? What does this child need? How do I communicate love to this child? How do I help this child overcome their sinful natures? And you grow through a lifetime of mothering. I don't think you ever feel completely confident, but then the day comes where they graduate and they move on. And your learning doesn't stop there because now you have to learn this whole new game of how do I relate to them as an adult? How do I relate to them as a husband or a wife? How do I relate to them as a parent? And then God gives us this great privilege of being grandparents. And you get to take all this wisdom that you have gained through life, and you get to lead your children as they are learning in this process. And you get to do all the things with your grandkids that looking back, you're like, wow, I would have done that so different. That's why grandparents are great, right? 
But pursuing wisdom and diligently seeking her is a day-by-day decision we make. It's studying our world and the people in our world and thinking, how does the Bible apply to this individual? How does the Bible apply to this situation? It's knowing the Bible good enough to not just know what it says, but to know the heart of the one who gave it to us and saying, how does his heart fit with this circumstance? I also find it quite interesting that a father talking to his son about wisdom chooses to use a woman. You know why? Because young men know how to diligently pursue a woman. Some of you ladies would say, yes, you diligently pursued me to the point it was weird and creepy, maybe a little overboard, but guys, you know how to do it. You work hard at it, you look for her, you find her, you think about what's going to speak to her, and you do it. Pursuing godly wisdom never stops. It's a lifelong pursuit that we cultivate over time. As soon as you think you arrive at wisdom, you realize you're actually operating in arrogance and following Lady Folly because wisdom never stops. So as we wrap this up, I want us to feel this pull for a minute. As we try to put all this together, I want us to understand why this is such a significant choice. You see, this, this is not just about, well, if I choose this, I'm going to have a blessed life by God, and if I choose this, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going to experience some of His heartaches. That's, that, that's so much more than that. Because listen to me here, when we choose to reject Lady Wisdom, who personifies all of God's wisdom, we are rejecting God Himself. Do you hear that? We can't reject lady wisdom, but embrace God. But we think that we can. We think we can live in this way that's worshiping God, and God and I love each other, and and I love him so much, but I'm not actually doing anything he says. I'm doing my own thing, but we are great. God says that's not possible because you're rejecting my wisdom and trying to embrace me, but that's my wisdom personified. And likewise, when we choose to, to be pulled in by Lady Folly, we are embracing the one who she personifies, which is God's great enemy, the evil one. You see, this is so much more than just a decision about what is my experience in life going to be. This is what is determining who I'm worshiping. So God is inviting us to live as people who personify His wisdom. God is inviting you to be Lady Wisdom or Sir Wisdom. He wants you to live out the full embodiment of His wisdom every day of your life. Because that's what it means to rightly bear the image of God. That's what it means to be God's image bearer in this world. It's to live out the personification of who He is and how He would live. Now, in Christ, we have this perfect example He always lived in submission to the Father. He didn't argue for his own standards of morality. Hebrews 1 said, He is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. In Jesus, we see the one who rightly bore the image of God. And God is inviting every one of us to do the same. Brothers and sisters, God is inviting us to live in a way that brings flourishing to every community that we are a part of. And yet every day as we feel this pull, we have to stop in that moment and decide, whose wisdom am I going to follow? 
Am I going to follow that which is beautiful and attractive, or am I going to follow that which is good and excellent and pure? And so we, may we follow the model of Christ and choose Lady Wisdom every day of our life, and may we pursue her with all that we are so that we can be men and women who personify the wisdom of God to this world who desperately needs to see it. Father, as we bow before you in prayer, God, I thank you personally for the ways that you have revealed to me this week the way that Lady Folly had her hold on my life. Father, I pray that in this moment you would do the same to my brothers and sisters. Help them to see where Lady Folly is, is, is strengthening and tightening her grasp on their lives. Father, may you help us to be image bearers who rightly shine as lights in the midst of this crooked world. May we fight the pull that we feel every day. May we fight for what is good and pure and true. May we live in fear of you because you are a good God who fiercely loves us and only wants what is best for us. Father, we thank you for your grace for when we so often fail. When we turn our backs on you and we pursue our own ways and, and when we look to you with anger because we're not getting what we want. Father, we thank you for your mercy and grace and your long suffering that invites us back. That even in our darkest moments, Lady Wisdom is shouting from the rooftops that you desire us. Help us to see that, Lord. We thank you, God, ultimately for your son who is the perfect example of sacrificing himself for the good of this world. God, strengthen us to be those kind of men and women. Make this church a community that flourishes because of the people who are in it. In your great name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand and we're going to close in song. I hope that you have heard God's good heart for you, and I hope whatever area of it is that you struggle with, because we all have them, I hope that today you can find freedom from that burden. You are not alone. We love you. We care for you, and we want to see you live and experience all the good things that God has for you. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.